conversation, information, and revelation. It's the Politocrat Daily Podcast with me, Omar Moore. Subscribe now and spread the word. Thank you for your support. Good afternoon. So we have finally found an agreement. It was a long and winding road, but we have got a good deal to show for it. It is fair, it is a balanced deal, and it is the right and responsible thing to do for both sides. And so I'm very pleased to tell you uh, this afternoon uh, that we have completed the biggest trade deal yet, worth £660 billion a year, a comprehensive Canada-style free trade deal between the UK and the EU. Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Saturday, December the 26th, 2020. That was Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the UK, preceded by Ursula von der Leyen, the President of the European Commission, as they announced that they had reached a deal on Christmas Eve. The question is, what are the devil in those details? What is the devil? In those details. And when are we going to find out what they are? What we know so far about the Brexit deal reached two days ago. Coming up next. This agreement will write history. If you look at uh, the clear composition of rules uh, that are very distinct to make sure that there's fair play on both sides, that is a very clear, if you want to access the single market, you have to abide to the rules all the other ones are abiding to. Um, and in the fishery field, I think we made a huge step forward and got a very good agreement. So this shows that from a position of strength, you can achieve a lot. We've taken back control of our laws and our destiny. We've taken back control of every jot and tittle of our regulation in a way that is complete and unfettered. From January the 1st, we are outside the customs union and outside the single market. British laws will be made solely by the British Parliament, interpreted by UK judge, judges sitting in UK courts, and the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice will come to an end. Welcome back. You just heard more of the excerpts from the press conferences held two days ago by the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and by the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Both of them talked about the Brexit deal that was reached on Christmas Eve. One of the two parties, as you could tell, sounded less happy about it than the other did. 
the European Commission and the European Union had every reason to feel the way they did, which was a little sad, but also mostly relieved. There is no doubt about it that everybody is relieved that a deal was reached. It seemed all but certain that the United Kingdom was going to drive itself off a cliff without any kind of parachute whatsoever. Without any kind of safety net. But what it has done, in my view, is drive itself off the cliff with a guaranteed serious self-injury as a result. But not death. But everything except death. Boris Johnson was busy blustering his way through with basic ABC language for the English public to digest. That English public, the fellow countrymen, women and people that I belong to, who have been so bombarded by right-wing media and lies and propagandistic tactics by the Tories, by these Brexiteers, who are really, come on, let's be honest, they are disaster capitalists. And the Nigel Farages of the world, and the Michael Goves of the world, and all of these other kinds of people who really don't care about the general public care more, by the way, about themselves and their money and their bank accounts than they do the general public. And we see that over and over again. We have not, and I have not yet seen, the 500 plus or so page deal that all of this comes from. I really want to see that deal. And I certainly hope that it is made available to the public and made available in no short order and made available before members of parliament get to vote next week on December the 30th. That would be next Wednesday. I can't imagine that members of parliament would be voting for something without seeing it, let alone reading it. And it would be pretty crude if that happened. It would be pretty crude if the deal document was not released until after January 1st, which of course is the day that the United Kingdom officially leaves the European Union. All of this talk that the UK has left the European Union is just baloney sandwiches. The United Kingdom has not yet left the European Union and will not until after December the 31st, which is just a few days away, literally five days away. All of the stuff that happened on January the 31st of this year, 2020, were symbolic. That was symbolism, because for the next 11 months, Boris Johnson's negotiating team, which included Lord David Frost, and numerous others were hashing things out with Michel Barnier, the chief negotiator for the European Union, and others in his team. And it took them 11 months 
to get to this point. And as you heard, the president of the European Commission say she was quite happy with this deal. She said that it was tremendously fair, and she said that, that you know there was a great deal of um, leverage for them in terms of getting their fisheries deal, which was just a you know this whole fisheries thing that that Boris Johnson was puffing up is just garbage. 80% plus of the fish that the UK gets is imported. Imported. So this, well, the fish, if it gets caught, we get to keep it. We import in the United Kingdom 80% of the fish. 80%. It's just crazy. Fisheries make up less than 0 one percent of business trading of our business in the United Kingdom. It's asinine. This is just all garbage. It really is. I mean, I I don't know what else to say about it, but it's pretty clear that's what it is. It's designed to get people who don't really think very well to stir themselves up into a lava and a frenzy because the Daily Mail told them to or the Daily Express told them to or the Daily Star told them to or the Sun told them to. Those newspapers that belong to some really destructive and poisonous forces in the UK. And those are the ones that are the heavily influential rags, I would call them. Some of them are broadsheet, some of them are tabloid. But all of them are bad news. The Daily Telegraph is part of that too, by the way. It's really designed to be lizard brain type reading to the extent that people read anymore and read newspapers in their hands anymore, which is... It's probably, I'd, I'd say it's a safe bet that you don't find too many people doing that now because everybody is reading newspapers online or on their iPads or their phones or their laptops. Very few of us now put these actual pieces of paper with a scent and aroma into their hands and turn them anymore and turn the page and feel the texture of the page and smell that ink, smell that paper that has that aroma that I'm alluding to. No one really does that very much anymore. And there's still the people who will subscribe to the paper, having it delivered to their door and all of that, I get. But the vast majority of people don't do that anymore. They don't. But I, 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 what I, you know, what I'm just trying to get my head around here is why did the United Kingdom do this deal? Why were they pushing for this four and a half years ago? Why? And I may or may not have asked that question in a prior episode or episodes of this podcast, but if I'm repeating myself, so be it. Why is it that the United Kingdom would turn its back, basically, and seek to sever from its largest trading partner, 
the European Union. With some 450 million people that you can trade with, that can benefit from deals. Why would a country turn, in this case the United Kingdom, turn its back on that? And then want to do trade deals with places that are further away than their next door neighbor. It's just crazy. Unless, since they keep talking, and Boris Johnson does, about a Canadian-style deal. Unless what Boris Johnson and the disaster capitalist class, the so-called Brexiteers, that's, again, they're not Brexiteers. They are disaster capitalists. Unless the goal of the disaster capitalists and Boris Johnson is to make the United Kingdom weaker and make sure that there were more exports. Make sure that you sourced out, you outsourced more jobs. When Boris Johnson talks about a Canada-style deal in terms of free trade as that deal was agreed to two days ago, as we sit here now on Boxing Day, two days ago, Christmas Eve. You look back at that from where you sit now on Boxing Day, December 26th, and you look back to that day and, and, and the, all I had ringing in my ears was Canada-style free trade deal. And the reality is, is that when he says that, Boris Johnson, when he says... Canada-style free trade deal. He's talking about NAFTA. That's what he's really talking about. And NAFTA was not a good thing for the United States. In fact, it really wasn't a good thing for Mexico. NAFTA germinated around the late 80s into the early 90s and it came across Bill Clinton's desk and he said, yeah, we're going to support this. And boy, did he make a mistake. North America Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA. It was a disaster. It hurt workers. It hurt American workers. It especially hurt Mexican workers. Their wages went down. Their jobs got cut. Their health benefits, well, the environment got worse. People polluted more. There was very few restrictions to trade. And it was a monumental disaster. It had to be renegotiated at, at least two or three times. Donald Trump himself said that he hated that deal. And he um, renegotiated that deal in, I believe, 2017 or 18. He had Bernie Sanders also saying that he despised it for the same reasons that I've explained. That it really crippled American jobs. It outsourced those jobs. And Mexican jobs were absolutely decimated. The wages were next to nothing. And those jobs were being outsourced to the Far East and elsewhere. It was a really miserable deal. NAFTA, CAFTA, SHAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement, and uh, PNTR, Permanent Normalized Trade Relations with China. These were These are deals that are just absolutely ludicrous because what they do is they end up giving so much leverage away to the country that you're supposedly doing this trade deal with in that you are exporting all this work on the cheap to people in China, for example. 
and you have Apple right now benefiting from these horrible trade deals where what's happening is you have workers in these plants in China working for slave labor wages. It's despicable. And so all of that work gets offshored by Apple to the Far East. That's what the problem is. That's what NAFTA brought about. That's what permanent normalized trade relations with China was all about. That's what the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP, was all about. And the TPP was something that Hillary Clinton supported when she was running for president in 2015 and 16. She supported the TPP until literally about three weeks before the election in 2016. Donald Trump was opposed to the TPP. Bernie Sanders was opposed to the TPP. It's incredible, isn't it? They were on the same side of an issue, the two of them. So this is really, this is real trouble. This, this NAFTA thing was a disaster. I think, I believe Bill Clinton um, regretted it. I mean, it was a horrible deal. And Canada pretty much were, uh, for the most part, faring well in the whole thing. I mean, they weren't completely innocent, uh, completely um, out of the woods, but this was something that was really bad. And what happened was, is that there was so much leverage I think for Canada in these deals, that particularly in the case of Donald Trump, he ended up um, shunning Canada and just doing deals with Mexico, even as he demonized them during the campaign. And a year or so later, or less than that, when he was running in 2016, he struck up deals with Mexico while demonizing Mexicans. You know about all of that from 2016, all the racist garbage that he was saying, that Donald Trump was saying then about Latinos. You, you remember all that when he announced his run in 2015 and those racist things that he said and then the media dismissed those. But once he became the uh, resident of the White House, he actually, um, sorry, he actually decided to get to do deals solely with, at least on this front, solely with, with, with Mexico. And I guess it, you know, it was a design to give, I su suspect, a measure of strength and, and uh, dignity to Mexico. I mean, why were Mexicans being paid such dirt poor wages? Well, you know why. The, the, the labor laws are very different down there. And, you know, all kinds of things, the regulations aren't as strong. So that's what happens, you know, and this is just really crazy. When Boris Johnson talks about a Canada-style free trade agreement, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about destroying UK businesses, destroying UK workers. Certain jobs won't ever come back. I mean, we have to really be honest with ourselves that whether it's the United Kingdom or the United States or the African continent or whichever place, pick one. A lot of these jobs that have been lost will not be returning. That's a bitter pill to swallow. And it's one that has to be faced and reckoned with. It just really makes me wonder though, for how long 
Can Boris Johnson and the right-wing press in England get away with continuing to con and pull the wool over the eyes of the English public? Welcome back. I can tell you, before even knowing about these 500 pages, and as I said before, I cannot wait until those 500 pages become available publicly. I really would love for them to be expedited. Because there are people celebrating what happened two days ago, and they are celebrating without having benefit, without even having the benefit of actually seeing these 500 pages, let alone reading them. So there are people like that who are celebrating blindly for no good reason. And then there are others like Nigel Farage and others like that, Boris Johnson and Aaron Banks and some of these very wealthy, other wealthy people are celebrating because they know what this means. It means disaster capitalism. It means an exporting of jobs. It means the manufacturing industry, which really has already gone from England anyway, is going to be ever weaker. Plants are going to close down because of the competition. The companies are going to move workers, uh, offshore them, and offshore jobs, I should say, to these other places where the workers are going to be paid for dirt cheap. This is a windfall for these technological companies. Make no mistake about that. It's a windfall for them. But what about the average person? What about the average UK resident, UK citizen? What about the person who is in the EU, who works in the UK and travels back and forth? The fresh hell that's going to come from that is going to be nothing short of agonizing, to say the very least. And none of the analysis that I've been seeing over these last two days, specifically on Sky News, ever points to or raises these issues of manufacturing jobs and issues of lower wages and issues of offshoring jobs and issues of lower kinds of wages payments and issues of closing down businesses. It's just unreal. You could be looking really at two different planets right in front of you side by side. Never mind the Jupiter-Saturn thing that I missed earlier in the week. But this is horrendous. Horrendous. Why is the United Kingdom turning its back essentially on 450 of its million of its closest friends. 450 million of your closest friends. That is some cold you-know-what to be doing. Why is that something that people think makes any semblance of sense? Oh, I'm going to trade with Canada and Australia. Why wouldn't you trade with the, what, how many countries are there in the EU? 27? Why wouldn't you trade with the 27 countries that are right next to you? Literally a hop, skip, and a jump. It, it, literally from Dover to Calais. 
And of course, the lorries, and as long as all of the lorry drivers get their COVID-19 rapid tests, and God knows if they're going to work properly, because you know there's lots more errors with those. But my goodness me, this just is a recipe for disaster, is my point. All of it is. And I think it's about time that the media stop kowtowing to Boris Johnson there in the UK. And these right-wingers start writing headlines that are honest and becoming rather than the propaganda and BS that you revel in. Don't think it's a good idea to do that to people because you give yourself a bad name. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. I'm honestly at a loss to what the United Kingdom has done to itself. You get a right-wing media that soft-soaps them with lies and propaganda and bluster and basic black-white thinking rather than the nuances and the complexities and the complications and the implications of what voting leave means. You get some Yahoo loudmouth bonkering on about how great Brexit's going to be and it's going to be great and it's going to be this and that and superb, superb, superb. Until it's not superb. It's not so superb at all. And then the media spending time after time over and over and over and over talking about how Boris Johnson is just the greatest thing since sliced bread and he wants to get Brexit done. And how many times does Sky repeat his three-word edict during their election coverage? I mean, they, every one of those anchors repeated it at least twice. It was amazing. They literally were repeating Boris Johnson's campaign slogan. And then, it's incredible. They would talk about the guy like he was the second coming. It's just unreal what the media allows to happen and what the bosses who run these corporate news media networks allow people to get away with. It's staggering. It's staggering. And now it seems that you've got this stuff running amok You've got horrible regulations. If this government, this Tory government, can't even put a lockdown on a country and put that lockdown as four, you know, I don't care if it's tier four, whatever, but make the whole country tier four, it's it's just unbelievable. It really is. And all the media were doing these last two days are playing almost exclusively Boris Johnson's entire press conference. I played parts of it. You've heard that in this episode. I didn't play the whole thing. But that's what Sky News did. On more than one occasion too. A couple of days ago. It was just unbelievable. All the propaganda and lies that you heard. and It's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. 
I think someday when this is all over and done and Boris Johnson's premiership is over, someday I do think that there should be some kind of accounting and a fight for decency again because the United Kingdom has absolutely stabbed itself here. And there's no earthly reason why. It's just insanity. Until you remember and you think about the disaster capitalists that we have in the United Kingdom. I already read you their names, some of them. And they are toxic, poisonous people. So you do not want to get on the wrong side of them. And you want to make sure that you stay within the sanity lines. I mean, I could go on and on and on about this stuff with Boris Johnson, but I don't want to. I, I mean, I want to read this deal in full first. I mean, I've heard things on social media, particularly Twitter, and I'm on at the popcorn R-E-E-L, my Twitter handle. But I've heard things from numerous people online who are at publications, and they're all saying, or at least some of them are saying, that this deal is pretty much dead in terms of it um, being, well, not dead, but it's this deal may face some problems in Parliament. But I don't know that it will because, um, you know, the people who voted no and wanted to stay were profoundly disappointed, but they do think that there is something to, I don't know. I, I, I just, sometimes when I think about this kind of thing, it does really anger me and trouble me that people were so easily duped because that also means that we are living in a dangerous world where even the media, not even, but where the media do this regularly and do it out in the open. That also is a problem. It really is. There's issues about not about frictionless trade, which, you know, this idea that's going to be frictionless trade, once you've got your new market set up and your trade market is this country, that country, the other, and you call yourself a sensitive man and you've got... Just unbelievable. I, I, I really just cannot imagine how people can do this. I just... Who knows? Time will tell. Time was going to tell with this so-called Brexit deal. And make no mistake, it's just unreal. To be continued indeed. We'll see where all of this leads when it comes to this Brexit deal and how much of a deal is it. That question remains still to be answered. Still to be answered. And for those people in Brussels from afar who decided to ask tougher questions and exacting questions about the United Kingdom versus some of the rot that you heard from the press conference of Boris Johnson, well, congratulations to you all in those other countries who felt that it was a good idea as reporters to raise critical questions of Boris Johnson about the, and the English and the UK at large and the amount of treaties, treaties that they've broken over centuries. Too many to name. 
So, look, that's... All of this has to be litigated. And we cannot allow this to continue to happen. Because after that, you just have to say, what do we want to do? Do we just want to live encased in a circus? Or do we want to live in reality? And see what is really happening to us. I just think it's... When will the foolery end? When will people stop being seduced by this right-wing press in England? The Daily Mirror is not one of them. The Daily Mirror is the left-leaning, left-wing newspaper. But these newspapers on the right-wing, the Daily Star, the Sun, the Daily Telegraph, the Daily Mail, among others, when will these people stop with these lies and propagandistic behaviors that they're putting out there? It's really evil. And it is about time that you stopped. Because this is just going way too far. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. <laughs>